Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. What's in the name? Um, years ago, now, uh, how many years ago? It doesn't really matter, does it? But 20 years ago? No, I've been here 23 years, so it's even before that. 33 years ago, maybe? There was an amazing singer called Carmen. Has anybody heard of Carmen? There we go. Loads of you have. Carmen used to sing What's in a Name. And there was a whole sort of um, like uh, musical, Christian musical, around What's in a Name. It was brilliant. And I heard Carmen sing the other day. And actually, we got a CD. We got a CD with... um, it was like a little freebie CD um, because I'd given an offering to TBN and, and there was a, um, they gave that out as a gift. And it was common. It was like meeting up with an old friend. It was so delightful. And apparently he's been very ill, but God has fully restored him. And so just absolutely joyous, you know. And um, because worship is critical, isn't it? You know, and, and in the midst of the worship today, I just thought, Lord, there's the key coming through again. You know, Ayo had it right online, guys. It was the worship, you know. So everything I say today is really central. Central to it is our worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Central to it is our relationship. Now, you know that um, Pastor Rod um, shared a series on beware of the... um, Beware of the enemy, really. Beware of the enemy coming in and creeping into the church. Beware of the enemy bringing in that which is um, the beginnings of falsehood, which can so swiftly take over. And and guys, I am I I have been bromming over this for a month, and I, I eventually felt that I had to share it. Okay, and so when I say what's in a name. I am really addressing something very specific that I feel needs to get set um, in a realigned way. So um, um, I, I feel very passionately about it, and I'm explaining that all to you because I'm not necessarily going to teach you anything new today. But what I am going to do is I'm going to say, can we get this realigned? You know, in business, all the time that I am training in the, in the training room, one of the major things that I bring through, God has given me a slide because God gives you things in business. God has given me a slide and no matter what business course I am training, I get that slide up and I say, if, if new things come in, we have got to make a decision about whether we take those new things on board and we realign ourselves to those new things or we make the decision that we are not going to take on board this new driver that is buffeting against us. Because constantly we have these drivers coming in. And in business, we call them business drivers, like, you know, political drivers, environmental, economic, social, technical, legal. Some of you have guessed that one. That's that acronym PESTEL. And we're, you know, these drivers come in. Now, what are we going to do with these drivers Do we need to realign so that we can be on the edge of the breakthrough? And you see, spiritually, it's exactly the same thing. When when something new appears, we've got to test that out. Is this from the Holy Spirit? Because then, guys, if we don't embrace it, we're going to find ourselves getting old in religious ways. We want to say on the very brink of what God is releasing so that we can move into the new, so that we can be on that cutting edge that the Holy Spirit is representing and displaying to all of us. Do you hear my heart? Okay. Because I'm aware that it looks really um, like self-centered for me to say, defending the name of Jesus, you know. I mean, does the Lord really need me? You know, he, he just brings his angels in if he wants. Do you know what I mean? Please, this is not it, okay. I'm saying defending the name of Jesus because I'm looking at this from the church's angle. 
I'm saying, who's the head of the church? The head of the church is the Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, nobody dare tamper with that. But I fiercely want to defend the fact that Jesus Christ is the head of the church and that his name is the glorious name that I bow to. Amen. And that's the name that we should all bow to because that's clearly what Father has displayed to us through what the Holy Spirit administers to us week by week, day by day. Amen. And so because I'm kind of teaching more than preaching today, um, guys, I, I just felt that I must have a PowerPoint presentation and a thingy in my hand to move the slides on, okay? So just bear with me. So we're starting in Matthew 1 because this is completely word-based, huh? Well, it has to be because I'm defending the faith, aren't I? So... Um, And did you hear what I just said? If you're defending the faith, get the word out. Amen. Don't try and defend the faith with anything but the word and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Don't bring me false doctrines. Don't want to know them. Okay, so, and I know you don't either. (laughs) So, Matthew 1 and verse 1. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. I used to, a a lady who was a bank manager's wife in a little town that we lived in, she said to me, I was was pregnant and I was about to have my second baby. Oh, who's a man now? (laughs) But in those days, um, she, she couldn't wait for me to go on maternity leave. Because she said, and we've got to get the village um, saved. We've got to get them to know Jesus. And so what she did was, she said, I've got this amazing book, and we'll teach. We'll have a ladies' meeting, and we'll teach everybody. So she gathered the ladies together. And guys, I thought I was just going to go to the Bible. She, she was an elder lady. I suppose she was about 50 at that time. And, and, and I was, yeah, yeah, the things are relative now, aren't they? Yeah, she's very young. <laughs> but, yeah, but I was, uh, how old was I when I had Paul? I don't know, 20, 26, 7, 8, something like that. So, you know, I was the young one. And, I mean, she was the one who'd been in the church for years. And, and, and so we had this meeting because the next week we were going to start the ladies' Bible study. So she gives me the book and says, you, you, you know, this is what we're going to cover. And so I said, right, have you got a copy? No, no, we've only got one copy. She says, Anne, you're the teacher. <laughs> okay, I was a biology teacher, but, you know, you're the teacher. My goodness. Guys, this was the line of the Messiah through from the Old Testament right through to Revelation, and we had to do it in 12 weeks or something, you know. Guys, I had to get my study, um, all my study tools out. What were my study tools at that point? My Bible, my concordance, and a Bible dictionary. That was it. And this textbook that she had given me, it was very graphic, and I'm a graphic reader, so I just got going. Do you know what I mean? And over the years, it embroidered out. It became a one-year course. It got, you know, I mean, it, 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 when, we, when we were running the Bible college, and we called it Salvation History. And, and, and when a church down in Crawley said, we need an understanding of the Old Testament and the New Testament, what can you put together? And I just got Salvation History out, readjusted it, realigned it, and off we went again. Do you know what I mean? It's core, guys. It's absolutely core. So when you get to this, if you were doing a study of the Gospels, then Matthew's gospel addresses the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. All the way through Matthew's gospel, Matthew constantly says, in fulfillment of prophecy, and he quotes the prophecy, because God had laid on his heart, now remember Matthew was the disciple who was the tax collector, who the Pharisees didn't even want to have anywhere near them, let alone touch, because they saw him as a dog. That was what they called tax gatherers in that day. And though he had come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as, as, as his, um, his savior, and he was one of the uh, disciples and, and Jesus was mentoring him, the, that, that meant nothing to the Pharisees. But that was his target audience, guys. He was writing for the Jews. He was demonstrating to the Jews 
that the Lord Jesus Christ was the Messiah, that he was Yeshua, that he was Christos. And so when he started with verse 1, he said, the record of Jesus, Yeshua, Savior, the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of David, because David was the one who um, they expected the Messiah to come through that lineage, and then son of Abram, because he wanted to demonstrate that this was the Hebrew tribe, you know, because Abram was the first Hebrew, wasn't he, you see? And so in one verse, he established exactly who Jesus Christ was. Now, why am I saying this? Because some people want to make the, um, the Lord Jesus Christ mystical. Some people want to take the knowledge of the gospel into a very complex zone. Because then it sounds like it is all mystical. And only if you really are, you know, sort of superior will you get to know it. Guys, that is not of God. Amen. What is of God is that we understand that we are not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ, but we embrace his name. His, I saw we were going to sing his banner over us as love. We didn't get there, did we? Okay, we missed that one. But I just saw it as, as I came in at one point, you know. But his name is that banner over us. Amen. And I want you to embrace the gospel and everything. I mean, you know, so I say simple, but if you come through this long list of lineage, you just see that this is the legal lineage of who Jesus Christ is. The family lineage, almost identical, except for about the last 10, 15 names, that, that, is, the, that is in Luke's gospel. And we, don't, we haven't got time to go there at the, for this point at, at, in time, okay? But on, on Friday, Pete was, I was working at home. Now, that's always dangerous because Pete draws me into stuff. It's amazing how he needs help with a computer and all sorts of things when I'm working from home. So he had gone off with a mate, which was a relief. Well, when I say that, you know what I mean? It just released me to work quietly kind of thing. But they were away so long that they were away over lunchtime. So I went through to the, uh, the lounge um, with my lunch and my laptop, you know, and and the um, I turned on the on the um, uh, the the, the um, TV, and Peter last had it on Revelation TV, and here was Helen. Oh, well, I didn't know it was Helen, but I heard this voice, and I thought, I know that voice, I know that voice, and it was Helen Shapiro, and she is just the most amazing um, singer and jazz singer, and she's a Messianic Jew, in other words. When we were all shouting for her when she was, you know, now, now some of you weren't even born there, but in the mid-60s when we were sort of shouting, Helen, you know, we love you and all the rest of it. <laughs> she was Jewish. Now, she's not only Jewish, but she is a glorious Messianic Jew who loves the Lord Jesus Christ with everything that is within her. And she was singing a couple of songs, and it was great. And then she began her testimony. And in her testimony, she said that she was challenged by the Lord to read the New Testament. And she, well, I think she started with the Old Testament, but, uh, but the New Testament was a, a total, you can imagine, revelation to her. She opened it up to where we are now, looked at Matthew 1.1, was intrigued, went through the lineage, thought, good grief, I know these guys, you know. And, and then it ended up with Jesus, and she thought, but I don't know him yet. And, and, and just this beautiful reassurance to her from Matthew's gospel that Jesus was the Savior, that Jesus was her Messiah. It was just glorious, you know. And so I really enjoyed that. That was just Friday. So if you, if you, if you manage to hear her, it's really a, a great blessing. And it goes down, but now we come to the point, and I know I've shared this before, where Joseph, in his kind-hearted way, does not want Mary to be exposed as, you know, being an unwed mother, and he's not the father. And so he wants to put her away quietly, but the angel appears to him and tells him 
that what is being conceived in Mary is of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to drop down to verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So the name Jesus, we're going to look at right now, okay, because this is where there's a contest. The name of Jesus is Yeshua, which means Savior, which means Deliverer, okay? And so um, I left this behind for a moment. I want you to see this. Matthew 1, 1. The Hebrew, can you read that? Okay. The Hebrew, Yeshua or Joshua, which means salvation. That is Savior. Okay. Guys, I've heard somebody say that um, Jesus Christ that name, that Yeshua, well, no, they didn't say that. They said Jesus wasn't his proper name. Okay, so now, um, okay, the Hebrew name is Yeshua, okay? And in Greek, it gets translated as um, Eosia, oh, I can't say it because I, I can't speak Greek. Eosia, uh, something along those lines, okay? You say? Jesus. Yesus, that's right. It's, a, it's almost like the Dutch. Yesus, okay. Which means Yeshua or Savior. So whether we are using Hebrew or Greek or English, what holds is um, Matthew and chapter 1 and verse 21, you shall call his name Jesus. And here's the description of what his name represents. For he shall save his people from their sins. Because there are many names I am not going to be able to touch today. One of them is Redeemer. He has redeemed us back. Okay? Colossians 1, verse 17. He's redeemed us back from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light through his blood. Amen. And I, I just want us not to depart from calling out the name Jesus because if you do that, you are starting to move away and your alignment is not with the word of God. And if your alignment is not with the word of God, it makes it harder for you to hear the Holy Spirit bringing in the convictions of that which is right and that which is wrong. I know that the Holy Spirit can sort us out just in a moment, just like that flash. But at the same time, we have got to be wise, guys. And so... There's the one. You shall call his name Jesus. Now, I think that this is one of the areas where we might have a slight challenge. And that is Matthew 1. No, 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 no. This is beautiful. This is just an add-in. Matthew 1 verse 23. The virgin shall be with child. You shall bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That's where he's, in verse 22, he's quoted the prophet. So the fulfillment of Jesus Christ as God with us. We know that when Jesus was here, he began to teach us in John 14, 15, and 16 that God is not only with us, but that God will be in us and that he will abide within us by the Holy Spirit, you see? So, guys, what you see is that there's a constant unveiling revelation of who Christ is. First, we had the prophet. Then we had um, the, um, the matter of Mary falling pregnant and Joseph being given this unbelievable um, revelation, A, that Jesus would be the deliverer, and B, that he would be God um, with us. And then when Jesus is here, he unveils it further. Now, that's called prophetic perspective. And we just see this unveiling all the time. And we, and we know that the Holy Spirit is, you know, I mean, he's within each one of us here in this church right now. We've had the corporate anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us in worship. Because he's right here, right now within us, bringing revelation through to us that we would know exactly where we stand in Christ and that he is our glorious um, Messiah, okay? So first out, he's our savior. And this is, the, this is the one where I think that sometimes people get um, a little bit confused. Um, in, in Romans 10, 13, 
the Greek translated just simply says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In fact, I use that when I lead people to the Lord. And they say, no, 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 no. You don't know what I've done in my past. And I say, the word says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, I mean, guys, that's one of my standards, you know. I pull it out. And those of you who've been through the new membership classes know <laughs> that, I, that I, I use Romans a lot for um, bringing people to the Lord. And when we get to Acts chapter 2 and Peter is speaking out, Um, to Jerusalem. They've all got filled with the Spirit, and and Peter is speaking out to Jerusalem. He actually quotes Joel 2 and verse 32, which is where this scripture comes from. And, And in Joel 2, it says, any man who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Now, I'm not sure if that's why people get a little bit hassled. Now, this is a scripture that I haven't got, but we just need to go and look at it. Can we just quickly go to Colossians chapter 1, and, and you'll find there, I've, I've already quoted it this morning, but I, I want you to see it so that you know that you can go and find the scripture and that it can become a weapon of warfare in your hand, you know. And what it says is, um, oh, come on, and where is it? Um, one verse... There it is, verse 13. So Colossians 1 and verse 13. For Jesus has rescued us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Guys, that's deliverance. He has delivered you out from the kingdom of darkness and he's transferred you into the kingdom of his um, beloved son. Okay, so I just, I wanted you to see that as well. Now, when it comes to Christ, the name Christ, so we're just looking at Jesus Christ, okay? The name Christ, Messiah, translated. In Hebrew, um, it is Masiach, which they would speak of a consecrated person, like the high priest, um, having that anointing upon him, because Mashach, the other Hebrew word, means to rub with oil, to anoint, to consecrate, so, for example, in um, Isaiah 10, where it speaks of the anointing will um, break the yoke, that anointing there is that second Hebrew word, mashak, and it means to actually rub with oil. They used to rub the sheep with lard so that their um, um, hair, what do we call it, wool, so that their wool would be... Um, oiled and, and not uh, dry and, and um, wrinkly. And so um, that's where it comes from. Now, I mean, when I first heard that, that, took the, that was a bit of a burden for me for, uh, for um, Isaiah 10 because I, did, I wanted it to be flowing oil like Psalm 133 was, you know, but it was, it was showing me something different and I had to align to that and I had to make sure that I um, began to understand the rubbing, the oil rubbing in, the fat rubbing in, because that's how God wants us to see the anointing, you see? And, and then there's Mes- Messiah, which is the anointed one. Now, you can tell, can't speak Greek, can't speak Hebrew, but I know that these are the root words of the truth that I have invested most of the years of my life in. I got saved when I was 16. Did I know any of this then? No. All I knew was John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him could have life. And guys, I was one of those who was busy believing in him when I was 16 years old. So you know I'm beyond 16 now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> There's evidence. <laughs> but guys, what you do is you begin to have all this understanding come to you. And you've got to, what I've found is you've got to treasure it. You know how Matthew speaks of pearls of wisdom? You've got to treasure those pearls and build on them. And then when you get shaken by somebody that is sort of beginning to think other things, you think, no, 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 no. Come on now, let's get realigned. Let's go back, revisit the scriptures, make sure that we understand exactly what's coming on. And you see, that gets translated from the Hebrew into Greek, and it's Christos, whether you do it in Greek or English, but it means Christ. 
And the, the Hebrew root for Christos, so the Hebrew root for the Greek word, is actually Messiah. Whether you, you know, so we can't get around it, guys. That Jesus Christ is the Savior anointed one. Amen. And that's who we have invested our life in because he invested his life in us for all of us. Amen. And it's just glorious relationship. And our worship stems, um, comes through um, from that. So then I wanted to look at another um, area, which I just feel is absolutely critical. And that is that we know that there are many names for God. This is, this is what I'm trying to give you reassurance about. That you do not get taken out because people are saying, oh no, you should be calling God by this name. Okay? Ask to see it in the scriptures. Where in the scriptures, you know, why should we drop the name of Jesus? Why should we drop the name of Messiah or Christos? And so this is really where I want us to um, kind of pick up on. Because in um, Exodus, we know that when Moses was having trouble hearing God about having to go to Pharaoh, um, in, in 13, Moses said to God, Who am I going to say has sent me? Um, um, I'll say the God of your fathers has sent me, and they may say to me, what is his name? What shall I say? And we know the scripture. God said to Moses, I am who I am. Tell them, say to Israel, I am has sent me. Now, the root of that is Yahweh, okay? And some people will camp around Yahweh. But then what we find is, there's, there's a scripture that I want you to see. Let me just see if I can pick it up straight out. And that's Exodus 6 and verse 3. And God speaking to Moses again. And he said, verse 2, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, Lord, I did not make myself known to them. So he had appeared to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob as Yahweh, as I am, but not as the Lord. Now, the Lord gets translated as El Shaddai. And, well, El is the major root, E-L. And, and what is interesting is, I, I remember when I was studying, um, doing Bib studs at university, um, they said to us that the first five books of the Bible, now you can imagine what this did for me. You know, as far as I was concerned, Moses wrote the five, first five books of the Bible. Don't take that away from me. But what they did was they said there were four writers. Well, they could never prove the last two. But the, why did they say that? Because there were certain instances where the root was Yahweh, and there were other instances where the root was El, E-L, and El Shaddai. So they said, well, this writer used El Shaddai, that writer used Yahweh. We just read out the solution, guys. God said, I chose to reveal myself to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob as I am, Yahweh. I'm busy revealing myself to you, Moses, here in Exodus 6, verses 2 to 3. <laughs> I'm, I'm revealing myself as El Shaddai, the Lord. When Jesus was here, Guys, he revealed himself as the way to the Father. The whole of John 17 talks about the fact that God is Father, that Jesus is Father. I'm sorry, that God is Father and that Jesus is revealing himself as Father, that they would see a demonstration of the Father here on the earth in the time of his ministry. So when, when Philip said to him, oh, God, show us the Father, that's enough, in John 14, from about verse 7 onwards, Jesus said, have you been with me this long, Philip, and you've not known that I am, I am demonstrating to you the Father? It's just amazing, guys. Okay? So what's our level of understanding? What's our level of openness and hunger before God because that's where he will bring his revelation to us in terms of what he's leading us into. Okay? So I firmly believe that there are times, and this is not to make one above the other. 
Guys, that is not of God. There is no class distinction in God. There is no racial uh, preference in God. Please, you've got to hear that, okay? So as, as a congregation of God's people, Galatians tells us there's neither um, Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. And we've added there's neither black nor white in one of our songs. We've, we've got a really anointed song where that comes through. And, and I just kind of feel, um, and, and, and please, I'm not being dramatic now or anything, but I just kind of feel as if I want to spread my arms around this congregation and give it a big hug and say, we are one in Christ. We love each other, guys. We respect each other. You know, I, I mean, we, guys, I don't even want to talk about that because I just want to say, let's just protect our identity as a congregation, as those who love God and love each other. And, and maybe what we need to be doing is just giving each other a hug a little bit more frequently. Where a, lot, a lot of us do hug each other, but, you know, with meaning, okay? But guys, don't use that as an excuse now to go and hug the girls, eh? But guys hug the guys and the girls hug the girls, okay? <laughs> and husbands are allowed to love their wives. <laughs> and they're allowed to love them, allowed to hug <laughs> their wives and their, their, amen. Quick demonstration. She couldn't resist that, could she? <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So I just wanted to kind of get a little bit of stuff going here because I want you to come to John. Oh, there's a beauty here. I want you to come to John chapter eight. Okay. And because John's gospel was written in about 90 AD, whereas the other gospels were written before 70 AD. Okay. Because the temple was still standing when they talk about it. But in John chapter eight, the Pharisees are giving the Lord one of those rough days, you know, and he is just quietly giving them a rougher day back. And so they just didn't know whether they were coming or going with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you on. So chapter eight, they're giving him a go and they're telling him that he's of his father, the devil. And he says, you don't know my father, because if you knew me, you'd know my father. And it's going around, you know, verse 49, Jesus answered and said, I don't have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I don't seek my own glory. There's one who seeks and judges. Truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Oh, now they explode. If anyone keeps your word, they'll, they, they, they won't see death. Who are you? <laughs> and, and Jesus goes on and, and he says something to them that, that just flips them. Um, come down to verse 56. Jesus says to them, your father, Abram rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and he was glad. So Abram saw Jesus' day. So they said to him, you aren't 50 years old and you've seen Abram. Now they're convinced he's lost it. He's lost his mind. He's demonstrating, you know, and Jesus's answer is, and it is this, um, 858, Jesus said, before Abram was born, I am. Gee, that was a beauty. That was a beauty. Because he was addressing sort of Hebrews of Hebrews, and he was saying, I am. In other words, I'm Yahweh. See, I'm Yahweh. And then, guys, what we have, and I'm just going to put them up because it's not my purpose to go through these. But then in um, 635, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Now, you know, as far as they were concerned, the manna had come from heaven for the um, Israelites at the time of Moses. Now Jesus says, he is the manna that's come down from heaven. I mean, every time that they got near Jesus, they would, they, can you imagine their blood pressure? They must have, the sky is really winding us up again. But guys, it was the truth that was being presented to them by he who is the truth. And, you know, they were just not able to see through their religious 
um, sort of cloak that was around them, they couldn't cut through it because they were so fearful of, of actually accepting the truth and walking against the traditions of men. See, and, and many times what I find is when people are asking questions, it's because they are anti the traditions of men. Or maybe they've been hurt by somebody in the church. Maybe they've been hurt by a leader in the church. And then they begin to find criticism with everything. And then they start beginning to believe a lie. And guys, we can't afford that because then we will lose some of our brethren. And guys, we can't do that. They have been saved by the blood of Jesus and they've been planted in our midst. And we are to, to honor each other and respect each other and anybody who's having a rough time. We need to draw alongside of them and we need to try with everything that is within us. Prayer, sharing, investigating the word with them that we would draw them back. Amen. 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 And so please hear my heart on that one. I am the light of the world. Jesus said that when a girl had been caught in adultery. Well, then we know that there must have been a man involved as well, don't we? But she was the one who got caught and thrown in front of the... um, the, the, the rulers, and, you know, can we stone her? What do you think? Because they were testing Jesus. If Jesus hadn't been there, they would have stoned her to death. But because Jesus was there, they wanted to use her as an example. And when Jesus began to write in the sand, they began to slip away from the, the eldest. The eldest went first because he had the most sin, you know? And, and we had a lecturer at college. He used to say, what was Jesus writing in the sand? I think he was writing the names of the girlfriends. <laughs> now, look, that's flippant, okay? So just drop that out of your mind if you don't want to hear that. <laughs> it's just nonsense, okay? <laughs> but Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep, you know? And, oh, and that beauty. I am the resurrection and the life. And that was just before he prayed. Well, he didn't pray. He just spoke and said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, after four days in the Middle Eastern heat, came forth smelling good. <laughs> and then there's the biggie. There's the biggie. In red, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by the Son. Amen? Now, sometimes people in... Um, Christian denominations have trouble with that because they want to give honor to the father and they see, I, I had a, um, a friend who was married to a man who actually spoke of Jesus Christ being like an apprentice to the father, a sidekick, a sidekick. And he said, I, I can't put my faith in that. And, and we just had to pray and present and pray and present. I don't know where he is, guys. I, I do pray that he came through. But um, we, I shared that verse with him. But he, sometimes people don't want to hear what you share. I am the vine. So what I'm trying to demonstrate to you again is my real focus is the name of Jesus Christ. But what I'm trying to show you is there are other names. Amen. And we'll see these other names. And we must not, we must just see that as added richness. You know, it's just glorious that our um, anointed savior, deliverer, has demonstrated these incredible richness, richnesses of his um, nature. This is the nature of God we're talking about. So before I get to the tabernacle, or oh yeah, we're really studying the tabernacle of Moses today, but I want you to come to John 14. I want us to go back. Let me go back a slide. I want us to go back to that red one, Okay. John 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Okay. Now, I want to go to the tabernacle built by Moses. So, guys, this is a incredible, an incredible artistic impression. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that you can all recognize exactly what we're looking at here. And um, so this is a bird's eye view, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, there's the bronze altar. The majority of people would only come as far as the bronze altar with their sacrifice, and the Le Levitical priests would take it. 
there's the laver. That's where the Levitical priests washed. Okay, so only the Levites went beyond the bronze altar. Okay, then they washed because they were going in to service the table of showbread, which had the 12 loaves on it. I am the bread of life coming through there. And the uh, seven-branched candlestick. And we go to Isaiah and we see the sevenfold spirit of God. Okay, And there's the altar of incense. You could recognize that one, couldn't you? And there the prayers of the saints going up before the, um, the veil. So there's the veil. The squiggly line represents the veil. Remember, it was incredibly thick. So I don't even know if it was a squiggly line. It might just have been one big solid, because I think it was four inches fat, wasn't it? Something like that. And there's the ark of God. And, and, and there's the Shekinah glory. So, you know, artistic impressions here, you've really got to use your creativity, don't you? <laughs> okay, so that was the tabernacle built by Moses. That was for the desert. And every time they moved, they'd pack it up, and then they'd move on, Okay. And then when, when the, the clouds stopped, they'd, they'd, they'd unpack and, and they'd get back into the, the... Because there had to be a protocol because everything had be gone right out the window. And so the protocol was so that people would be able to be represented before the Shekinah glory. Only the high priest went beyond the veil. And I know we all know that. But then there's the next snapshot. And that's the tabernacle built by David. Another tent. But all that was in it was the ark of God and the Shekinah glory right there. And, and the, the huge challenge for everybody was they had the Moses tabernacle up in Shiloh and they had the tabernacle of David down in Zion. And, you know, and, and this is where the music was going on. So you, I know that you go down for the tabernacle of David down in Sussex, but guys, it originated with Zion. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that in. <laughs> All of the musicians are looking at me with daggers. <laughs> All falling apart because they just think, oh, this poor woman. <laughs> now, there's a temple built by Solomon. And what I wanted you to see was, though it was glorious with the beautiful rock, etc., and, you know, the Lebanon, oh, my goodness, you want to hear the Lebanese. The Lebanese say that, that Solomon... Um, uh, stole all their trees. Their trees got cut down because all the, um, yeah, yeah. They, they don't see that it was a, sorry, Pete's just said something. They don't see that it was a trade agreement, that in exchange for the um, cedar wood, they were given um, uh, a wheat, you know, that kind of thing. So um, what I wanted you to see was a total parallel because God was interested in the protocol for man to be redeemed by the sacrificial system, and the holy, um, the the high priest would go beyond the um, the veil into the holiest of holies, that once a year with the atonement sac- sacrifice, and so that was their protocol. You see, only the high priest went beyond the veil, and 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 only the Levites went beyond the bronze altar, um, um, the bronze yeah, altar, which is incredible. Because we, we guys just, you know, we thunder around as Gentiles. <laughs> All right, now, the day that Jesus died, and I wanted this graphic to sit with you. The day that Jesus died, the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. We read that in Matthew, okay? Why? Because as Jesus was dying on the cross, his sacrifice was making access for us to come right into the very presence of God, not just the high priest, but every single one of us, okay? So the way to the Father that Jesus had taught them about at the Last Supper, just before he went to Gethsemane and then to Calvary, was, I am the way and the truth and the life. And guys, after the events For many, I think, for many of the things that Jesus had said, I think it was only when Jesus had ascended into heaven that a lot of stuff suddenly became real and and understood, yeah, because the Holy Spirit had come. And he was revealing to everybody just exactly what Jesus had meant when he had said things. He was revealing to them how 
in Jesus Christ, there was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And in Jesus Christ, for us guys, we've got the second coming. You know, the day, and I'm off on a, off on a little thingy me, but um, you know, Joel 2, where it speaks of, um, uh, that we, we spoke just now, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. The verse just before that is about the blood moon. And remember, at the beginning of September, we had the blood moon. I mean, I was up and down all night. And I know that Pete's was despairing because he wasn't getting a good sleep, you know. I, I had the alarm set so that I could see the beginning of the... Then I would, um, you know, try and sleep for half an hour and then go and have a look and take another photo. And my photos are rubbish, but, you know, I was determined to try, you know. And eventually, we had the whole total eclipse and, um, and then it went black. And I thought, now we were supposed to be red, but I hadn't read all the instructions. So <laughs> as, the, as we progressed, here came that rosy brown kind of look, you know. And eventually, I was so tired, but I wanted to see the whole thing. Eventually, I had the curtains open and I was lying on my bed and I was just trusting the Holy Spirit to get me to turn all the time. So that, and I just checked. Yep, still there. <laughs> I loved it, guys. Why? Because it was a sign from God that we are in the end times. You see? It's a sign. The second coming is now. We know the second coming is now. I mean, have you seen where Putin is at the minute? Gog and Magog? You know, they said he's going to come from the north. And, and, and Jerusalem is going to be surrounded by our enemies. Oh, my goodness. I know Jerusalem's been surrounded by our enemies before. But how much more at the moment? And so, you know, we see the signs. You know, the, the, the birthing of the victory. Guys, you know all those things, okay? But what I'm saying is, we've got to stay true to Christ. We've got to stay, stay true to he who is our redeemer, who is our savior, who is our deliverer. We've got to know these things so that when we get challenged out of our boots, we can say, look, that's great. I will pray for you, but I am following Yeshua Christos. Amen. And I'm not going to be moved off it. So, guys, what I wanted to then say was, okay, so that's the temple as Jesus died. So for a lot of us, we'd say, okay, Ichabod, get rid of the temple. And in fact, the Lord helped out there. Because what he did was he allowed the Roman armies to come in and to basically take out the temple so that 70 AD, the temple was destroyed and it was just simply ruins. And it meant there was no longer a place for sacrifice to take place, which is staggering, absolutely staggering, okay? Because we we begin to understand how passionately Father God is about the fact that his son is the way for man to come into a knowledge of who he is. See, Father is, is, we say it, he's our Father. I love saying I'm a daughter of the King. I love saying that, Gus. But you see what I've just said? I said I'm a daughter of the King, King of Kings. See, I'm a daughter of Father God, you know? And, and, and I believe that we need further and further revelation of who we are in Christ. It does not stop, guys. The more that we move into who Christ is, the more we get to know the Father. The more we get to know the Father, the more secure we are in his love. And and that's where, when when, um, we are seeing, I don't even know what to do about it. We are seeing brothers and sisters in Christ. We are seeing children in Christ being crucified and killed for the name of Jesus. And we're sitting in the Western comfort. I know we don't enjoy the black hole, you know, that this represents here. But guys, we're in comfort. We're not expecting the police to come, you know, marching in through the door and take us all captive. You know, and and to a degree, what I'm saying is not I want to be out in the Middle East having my head shot off, I don't want that, or topped off, or whatever they choose to do kind of thing. But, but what I'm saying is the cause of Christ. Are we prepared for the cause of Christ to be so emblazoned upon our hearts that when they say to you, are you a Christian? We say, yes. And the Lord Jesus Christ loves you. You know, as a young Christian, I just felt that there was going to be 
martyrdom in our time. And I mean, okay, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm getting, I know I'm a grand and all that, but you know, I never expected it. And when it started happening, I was just appalled. I am still appalled. I even thought, shall I go and get one of the photos to really just shock us? But the, um, there's, a, there's a thing on Facebook that every now and then it comes past. I'm not an expert at Facebook, but <laughs> I'm not an expert. Sorry. Expert and, and Facebook don't all belong in the same sentence at all. <laughs> but every now and then there's a, um, there's, a, there's a thing that floats by about Christians being persecuted. And there is a particular um, group who are desperately trying to get support to help the Christians, you know, out there. And um, they, they had two photos now within the last 10 days of two men um, from that group where all the folk were taken captive who weren't able to escape up the mountain and over the mountain. It's, it's where ISIS is operating. And um, they, these were men that had been held captive. So they'd been separated from their families and they'd been held captive since February. And just two weeks ago, um, they were crucified. And these very normal men were hanging from crosses. And I just thought, Lord, the cause of Christ, burning in our hearts, you know. Lord, this is what we are here for, guys, to share who Christ is with this nation. And I don't mean that as an outsider. I mean that as an insider. When we pray, it is that this nation would open their hearts to hear who Jesus is. And, and, and how come we've got dissension in the church when our major mission should be getting out there to say, Lord Jesus lives. He is the resurrection. He is the life. He is the way to the Father. I just want us to be galvanized into action. You know? I just, um, so I'm not putting heavy on anybody. I'm just saying, let's have a reality check. And, and, and you know, no judgment, but restoration. So what I wanted to show was that we, just when we thought, okay, we, you know, we're all liberal. We don't have to worry about the, the, um, the temple anymore. Here comes the book of Hebrews. And it says, you know, in the book of Hebrews, it says the heavenly temple, that's what the tabernacle was about. The heavenly temple, that's what the temple was about. And we discover that here's Jesus, you know, our glorious Jesus, who is now in that heavenly temple preparing for the supper of the Lamb. And so I just, guys, you know me, I've got to have labels on here that just point everything at Jesus. So brazen altar, Jesus our sacrifice, his blood. The, the, the labor, Jesus, our sanctification. We spoke of, we sang, and actually those were the songs of the Spirit that came through about the holiness of Christ. Jesus, the bread of life, we spoke of that. The seven-branch candlestick, Jesus, our anointing, Messiah. <laughs> Jesus, our high priest, altar of incense. And notice that the, 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 the veil is still broken, huh? put a little extra white thing on there tonight to this morning and thought, well, we'd have a definite broken veil here. <laughs> Jesus, the way to the Father. Amen. The ark. Jesus, our glorious king, you know. And you, there's, there's, there's a lot that we can still take. Oh, I love Peter. Peter um, is spontaneous. He does things right. He does things wrong. <laughs> Okay, I was talking about Pete the Apostle telling me about that. I'm really impressed at your response. <laughs> and I, I just wanted you to see, you know, I just took the first three um, chapters where Peter was involved. So chapter 2, 3, and 4 of Acts. And, and when he preached it, he was saying, in the name of Jesus. In, in Acts 3, when they came across the, um, the beggar the, uh, at, the, at the gate who was paralyzed, 
you know, he said, we haven't got silver and gold, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you know, and, and, and guys, we've got to look at Acts 4, Acts 4 verse 12. I don't think we focus on enough. So Acts 4, 12, my word, Peter was, he, I know he was an apostle, but he had such an evangelistic streak in him. It was just amazing. So Acts chapter 4 and um, verse 12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we may be saved. You know, I've, I've, been, I've, I've been going through my Bible. This was, I started this about three months ago. Where every place where the name of Jesus has been mentioned, I've got a yellow sticker. And it's just amazing. Peter and the name of Jesus go, go together. They are just kind of married together. And even in, um, um, in, in 1 Peter uh, 4, he speaks of it. But we, we're running out of time. So let me just move on. I wanted us to look at God's take on the name of Jesus. And that's Philippians 2. And that's the song that we sang out this morning. God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so you could see, guys, Nobody can come to me and say that wasn't his name. His name is Jesus. Doesn't matter if it's Hebrew, Greek, any other language, but Yeshua is Yeshua. Okay. And, and it comes from that Hebrew root and it comes from that Greek root. And, and, and in the church, we should not be quarreling about the name of Jesus. Because it is through the name of Jesus that we know fullness of joy. Because we are redeemed gloriously. And then, guys, I want to, I want to take you very quickly to, um, oh, oh, look at the time. Revelation 19. And I want you to see, um, we will just read five verses. And um, I'm going to have to, yeah, I've only got three more slides. But we'll, oh, no, 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 I've got to, okay, okay, okay. 11. So 19, Revelation 19, this is Jesus returning. I saw heaven opened. Behold, a white horse. So, ah, yes, I just said it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with um, Philippians 2. If we go to Revelation 19, so saw heaven opened. Behold, a white horse. Now look at these names of the Lord coming through at the second coming. Um, he who sat on it is called, maybe I should be on this side for the clicker, faithful and true. He has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. His name is called the word of God. And on his robes and on his thigh, he has the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Sometimes if it's a harder name, we don't see it. And what I, what I was intrigued at is that second bullet there. And that is um, verse, just so that we know exactly where it is. That's verse 12. He has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. So it sounds like it's Father. You know, Father, because we've just seen Philippians 2, you know, God bestowed on him the name that is above every other name. So you immediately think, right, God bestows on Jesus a new name. But it says no one knows except himself, and there's the Trinity coming in. Because Lord Jesus in heavenly places reunited back with the Father. And just glorious. Oh, I hope you see this, guys. I hope I'm sharing it with you so that you can see it. And then just the lasties. How the name Christian evolved, because this is another issue. Some people are saying, I don't want to be called a Christian. Well, it's very interesting that if anybody is challenging you, if anybody is challenging you, then they want to know, are you a Christian? So whether we're fancy about the name or not, I think we've got to live with it. What's the, what's the root of the name Christ, which is Christos? 
So there's our identity with Christ, okay? But what I loved was this. Paul, you've got to look at it. Paul, in Acts chapter 2, and these are the last two scriptures, I promise, and then we're going. In Acts chapter 2, Paul says, 9 verse 2, I'm sorry. Acts chapter 9, thank you, guys. Acts chapter 9 verse 2. Saul, who's not saved, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, asked for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And many of them died, guys. Now, what I'm interested in is that at that point, what was your identity? Your identity was that you were of the way, and that's of the way to the Father. So the impact of the blood of Jesus being shed at Calvary was so great that people were happy to be identified with that name, the way. But then obviously people must have said, the way where? Where are you going? You know, so it became a bit, um, a bit, a bit more difficult. And then if you come to chapter 11, there's a revival that breaks out in Antioch. And for the first time, the Greeks are getting saved. So now it's the first time that outside of the church, um, people are getting saved. And it says they were, um, these, these folk were preaching the Lord Jesus. The hand of the Lord was with them. Large numbers who believed turned to the Lord. And the news about them reached, sorry, I should have put that up. But the news about them um, reached uh, Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. And when he got there, he left for Tarsus um, to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For an entire year, they met with the church. They taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So guys, the name Christian came out of a revival. And you were, taught, you were referred to as a Christian because you were part of that mob who had found that the way to the Father was through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had made that way. And, and, you know, just glory, guys. So I can't understand why it would be abhorrent to be called a Christian. And I just want to say to you, if you don't want to be called a Christian, are you prepared to say, I believe in Jesus Christ? Because to me, the one, and the, the, the one and the other go very, very closely together. Okay. All right. So you've been very patient. Hmm? We have his name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. It's branded, you see. It's branded on us. It's branded. It's branded. Where's it branded? In our hearts. Amen. Any, if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed but is to glorify God in his name, says Peter, who got crucified upside down. Amen. So come on, guys, let's just stand and commit ourselves to God. Lord Jesus, we've done a marathon here this morning. We've marched through the scriptures, and we've just reaffirmed to ourselves that, Father, you, you have sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we love you. We love you because Holy Spirit has revealed to us that your love is such that we are healed, we are delivered, we are justified. Lord, we are sanctified. We are made one with you. Oh, Father, we we have such life because Jesus came. And so we thank you that we glory in your name. I pray that every one of my brothers and sisters that is here today will continue to ask questions of you, whether they're hard questions or not. And Lord, I just know that as we ask you hard questions, Lord, Holy Spirit answers. And so we thank you for that, Lord, Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, that anybody who is uncomfortable with the name of Jesus, with the name of Messiah, Lord, that they... Lord, would receive ministry from the Holy Spirit and be placated and soothed and drawn back into the body of Christ in Jesus' name. 
Thank you, Lord, that we will operate in the love and compassion of Jesus in all things. In Jesus' name. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday.